0: All right, welcome to another episode of the Roscoe's Wetsuit Podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. Very special guest with us today. Uh, We got Phil Jones. Um, Phil is involved in science, electronics, IT consulting, uh, relationship therapy, woodworking, neurofeedback, and software design. Uh, What I'm having him on the show specifically to talk about today, is uh, his software, uh, his neurofeedback um, and EEG uh, collection software, NeuroDesigner. NeuroDesigner is a piece of computational neurological software that does not make decisions for you, the clinician, but rather helps you organize and highlight representative information to help you more confidently create treatment strategies for your clients. So I heard uh, Phil's talk at the neurofield uh neuroscience conference a few weeks ago and was really intrigued by some of the stuff that you guys presented and I'm glad to glad to have you on the show today phil oh thank you absolutely yeah, so you let's get <laughs> let's get started and uh if you could just tell me a little about you know how you sort of got into the field of neurofeedback um originally what kind of piqued your interest
1: um uh, well my background's always been relatively technical um, and my wife, um, was, uh, involved in, um, expanding her private practice to include other clinicians. And so, um, what happened was somebody brought, um, um, a two channel opportunity to the table and wanted to show it off and was wondering if we'd be interested in pursuing it. Um, and so after looking at it, I thought maybe there's some things that I could do with it. And so that started the whole ball rolling.
0: Gotcha gotcha. And then as far as uh as far as with your company Neurodesigner, you know what was sort of the motivation to to get started behind that? Did you guys see a gap, you know, that was kind of in the the market that you know wasn't being filled with what you wanted?
1: it wasn't really market driven, it was need driven. So what Neurodesigner was designed to do was bring in and collate, I guess if you will, or bring in dissimilar data and make a a visual presentation that made sense, okay? Normally what would happen is, um, with most applications is you get a lot of information, but it was difficult to uh, pull together and find a common thread so you could kind of see what was going on, um, you know, a little more clearly. I mean, there's a lot lot of data that comes off of this, um, and there's a lot of ways of looking at it. So we're just trying to make a way that I was just trying to create some way that made sense quickly. Uh, so that was the start of it all. Um uh, neurodesigner is a is a is a I don't know, I should say' it, it, it's not an offshoot, but it's a continuation of the product called LPR, which was mostly uh, Loretta based.
0: okay, yeah, you're you're absolutely right about it. I mean just the vast access to the the amount of data. I mean, you look through one of those you know neuroguide reports. Um, just pages you know you could do limitless pages it seems like of that so what what specifically did you identify as being you know some of the really key pieces of information from either an EEG or a, a QEEG that you wanted to to make sure that uh, was highlighted or presented um, in a in a specific manner with neurodesigner
1: well, there isn't one specific thing. So here's, here's the point is that most therapists out there or clinicians are, are more subjective than objective. Um, so the thought was is that, well, it's really important to be objective and then validate that objective um, concern with the, probably a subjective presentation. So really that's the key is being able to provide um, a really objective um, Process hypothesis validation process um, that kind of gives you an idea of what may be occurring. So there, so everything's important, but it all has to make sense. So you know, we start with surface information, we move that, and we say, okay, does this validate? Does it make sense? And then we move our way through different surface presentations. Um, you know, we have the, the normal um, link gears, uh, average reference, the and then we move that into Loretta and see if it still makes sense. If it still makes sense, then we can start developing protocols. So it, it's really that. Um, so there isn't one thing. It's, 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 it's saying, okay, how do all these things work together? How do, we, do they validate what I'm thinking is going on? If they do validate, then I feel better about making the protocol. Okay, and then when I make the protocol, does it still validate as I'm training? If not, then can I make a change? Or was this the right thing to do? right
0: yeah Yeah. so so what happens you know when there's deviations from say what you see from from a laplacian montage versus linked ears you know um that's a good question (laughs) um the
1: and and the reason why that's a good question is a lot of people don't or a lot of clinicians may not be aware of volume conduction issues and so you have to be really careful when you're looking at this stuff and this is one good way you you know when you're looking at the surface information and saying well I'm seeing in this Laclacian, but I don't see it in linked ears or average reference. Well, there may be some other issues. And the first thing you have to go back is looking, well, is it a good recording? And if it's a good recording, are there volume conduction issues? Is there are the lesions that I didn't know about? Is there is there areas that are moving the uh, the current differently through the tissues in other areas? Do I have one electrode that is mirroring all a lot of a lot of other electrodes? You know, so that's the first thing you have to look at. And so this is, this is, that's, that's a great question. That's, for the, so that's kind of where you start. You're just validating your data is good. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: the first thing you have to do, because this is really a kind of a data science application is you kind of have to say, is my data good? And that's the first start of the process. But again, we're looking at, here's my data. This is what I think is going on and let me validate it. That's the first step, right? The validation of this step, is it actually your data? Does it make sense? And if it's good data, what presentation do I use? Do I look at surface? Do I look at Laplacian? Do I look at Loretta? And you can't look at Loretta unless it's good. And if it doesn't, if Loretta is going to match Laplacian because the first part of the Loretta transformation is a Laplacian transform. So you, you kind of have to you know, use those opportunities to say, well, is what I'm seeing real? And so that's kind of the start of it all. Right. I know it sounds kind of complicated, but it's not. And it's just in a way for a, a clinician to say, do I feel good about what I'm seeing?
0: Right. So maybe you could walk me through, say, you know, you record a good, uh, good EEG from a patient. Um, what would happen next when you're, do you plug the data through the, the NeuroDesigner program?
1: Yeah. So here's, here's, it's, it's pretty simple. So you, you go ahead and run whatever reports you want from whatever vendor software you're using and they come out as, as text files of some sort of or of a common delimited file. Those plugged into NeuroDesigner. NeuroDesigner is just a very large database. That the thought is, is that every recording, you can generate a large number, uh, a large amount of information. So you have um, surface information, you have Loretta information. Within those two, you have phase shift, so on and so forth. Or I should say phase shift, phase lock. Um, you have absolute phase, and so on and so forth. Those all go into a database for that recording. Okay, then, there's, then they stay there. Okay, what that means is that you can start, set. you can look at every recording, um, or you can look at different recordings, as many as you'd like with the same view right so you're comparing apples to apples so the so first step would be to gather the data import it into the database and once it's there now you can start visualizing it so you can look at a surface presentation and then right next to it have a loretta presentation and seeing if they and seeing if there's some some similarities if, if if what you're thinking makes sense right seeing if the source localization is actually appropriate if it is then you can move forward right? right and then the next step after that is saying okay this is all localized now in loretta so now i can say okay let me let me align it to a Brodman areas let me take those broadband areas and, and put those into groups that match symptoms or concerns and seeing if that has a, a relationship to what i'm observing in this this patient right or right. Not. Um, and that gives you an idea of, okay, this is, this is, this is moving forward. This is good. This data makes sense. It, it, it kind of matches, you know, the, the out, the, the presentation or the subjective assessment by the, by the, uh, I don't know, I guess I'll just use the word subject. And uh, then, uh, and if it does, then you can move forward and you feel good about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then once you've done that and and along the way you're designing Along the way, which is the cool thing about NeuroDesigner, is that you're, you can design custom networks or custom protocols and track those things from that perspective. So if you have a list of very customized Robin areas, you can track it from that, that customization, that ROI, I call it regions of interest. And you, you can watch, kind of watch what happens. So you know when to change, or you know when things are working or when they're not working, or you can say, wow, this is really interesting. I wonder what's happening over in this other network, right? So if I'm working on this one large network, what's happening in this smaller network? Is there a compensatory, compensatory things going on that I should pay attention to or not? And you can see all that really fast. So what happens in NeuroDesigner, you, you, you can kind of look at a lot of information really fast, really quickly. You can look at multiple recordings or the same recording from different views. So that's the idea, I mean.
0: Right, so kind of taking a huge amount of data and then kind of filtering out what's important, what's not, and then giving that to people, to clinicians, in a, in a way that's actually going to be practical and help their. Uh, yeah, but the, their clinician gets
1: to choose, yeah, and the clinician gets to choose what's important to them, right? But they get a step-by-step validation along the way that what they're looking at makes sense. But they get to choose of what they're looking at what is important to them so let's just say i'm only interested in attention concerns so let me choose an attention network or an executive function network and i'll just look at that for right now but i want to see how that relates to other networks as well so neuro designer has that built into it where you can relate one network to another network and see the differences or you can look at one network and you can you can you can develop all kinds of descriptive statistics and then do that with a different network and see how they align up. So now you have something that you, you don't normally have. You have a, a, a look at variance between areas of the brain, which is really important, I think. Um, and we're probably going to see a lot more of that shortly.
0: Gotcha. And I was curious, you know, tell me how, what's your take on, you know, raw scores, or raw data versus the... Uh you know, the Z scores, you know, as far as looking at actual, um, you know, amplitude values or, you know, versus the Z score normative databases, what do you feel like there's an issue uh, as far as using with the application of Z scores now? Do you feel like the um, uh, the other data, uh, the raw data is uh, kind of a better a better way to go about that?
1: Well, I think Z scores are fine, but the Z scores, don't give you the entire picture. They're only going to give you the information that's relevant to the database they were generated from, which may or not, may or may not fit all circumstances. So I think z-scores sometimes are really nice just to kind of see generally what may or may not going on and see if they match. But the raw data is really the place to be. You know, you really want to be, I, I from my perspective, and only mine, I'm, I'm more interested in the individual and what's unique about that individual. And so looking at the raw data and developing um, a how should I say this a z-score that's specific to that individual is kind of interesting and using variance properties to do that and then saying and then using that to move forward so z-scores are interesting but z-scores are you know just as, are just as, a statistical tool and so you can use them in different ways um, you don't have to have a normative database sometimes but it is a nice quick way to see what's going on because a lot of times these normal database match a large subset of the population you're dealing with. But you should drill down. It should, you should move over to raw just to see what's going on. The problem with raw data is you don't have any baseline to say, you know, what's 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 out of, you know, what what, what I guess it, what's you can't use standard deviations in, in, in raw data, but you can say what what's higher, what's lower, or what's inhibited or what isn't inhibited. But, you know, if you use, if you kind of get an idea of a Z-score, you can move into raw data and kind of set up a baseline that gives you more information. But there's things you can't see. Like, for example, you know, um, I have a, um, a, you know, subject with uh, synthesis. You can see that pretty clearly in the raw data. You can't see in the Z-score. But I would hate to move forward without understanding that more clearly, right? Because, right. you know, this, this person's brain is working just a little bit differently. And so I think it's important to understand. Um, and I can see that if I look at the raw information.
0: Mm-hmm. So, right. Then, so Z-scores might be kind of have a better application if you're looking at, uh, I guess, at least when you're starting to look at someone's data or if it's, you know, maybe a relatively simple problem um, compared to what you're talking about with, a specific issue that may not at all show up. You know, if you're looking at a Z score database.
1: Yeah, I think Z scores are a great way to get started, but I think that you shouldn't be afraid of the raw data. I think you should be really familiar with the raw data. There's a lot of stuff that you need to know to make sure that even the Z score is valid. We went back, we were talking about volume conduction issues. You can't see that with Z score, but you can see it in the raw data. And then you can say, well, if I can see it and it's there, are the Z-scores relevant? If they are, cool. That's just a real fast way of moving forward. But, you know, um, but the red day is always the best, always the best thing to look at.
0: Right. So switching gears a little bit, I want to hear kind of your story as far as uh, why, you know, the development of your guys' uh, EEG cap. You know, I know it has some very unique features to it. And I was curious just what What sort of got you to to want to make that? And can you tell me a little as far as what the the cap enables you to do, um, or just how it differs from your your standard EEG cap?
1: Well, the cap started out because I needed a a better um, source localization opportunity. I was doing all the Loretta and decided to do my own Loretta math and uh, came up with some issues and realized that 19 channels wasn't gonna cut it. So I needed more. And so I wanted to develop 64 channels because that was the next standard, and there's a lot of room in between. Um, so, um, so I said, well, let me start with 19, and let me change a few things. So the but but so with 19 channels, I thought, well, you know, if I increase the electrode size and change the material a little bit, so I, I got a little bit better um, conduction issues. Um, this, this is all this math is going to work better. That's kind of where it started. So that's what I did and when and it worked really well. Uh I was surprised. Um and then I want to be able to, to you know, and in, in in this in this field, everything everything that you do to the brain works. And so it's just the idea of being able to measure it, right? And you know, the nice thing about the neurodesigner is that it, it's just looking at the information. It doesn't matter whether you need neurofeedback or stimulation or um photomodulation or whatever, I don't care. The point is, is that it's just going to say, well, this is what's going on. And so that was the important thing with the cap is I needed to be able to do other stimulations at the same time and see was going on either in real time or near real time. So I wanted something that was kind of non-invasive and out of the way. And then it, so that's cool. So I did that. Um, but along the way you go, well, you know, I'd like to solve some problems I have with other products. So the thing is I had with some other caps is that parts of them will rust. Well, when they start rusting internally, um, there's some issues uh, that come up. And so I designed something that didn't have anything. There's no parts that can rust. So the electrodes are a little different. They, there's nothing in the rust. The wire, I changed the wire because I want to have a, a better, uh, but well, I want this a little bit softer so it's more comfortable. And I want it to conduct better. And I want more strands in there because I don't like breaking. I don't like when the wires break in the cap. They break too often. So I went to a, a very unique product. So I made a, this wire is a special, unique wire, um, and then the, so I kept going and going, and going, and then got to the point with the cap, saying, "Look, I, all I really want to do is produce a very affordable cap, not the best cap in the world, but a really good cap for the for the for the money that resolves a lot of general concerns like you know wire breakage, um, rusting." Um, getting rid of the fabric so the cap dries instantly, um, changing the uh, the large connector at the uh, amplifier so that it if you pull on it it doesn't a lot it doesn't hurt anything, so that there's you know the the the, the capital is just a little more durable, so that that's kind of where it all started. And then I wanted to be able to move things around so the electrodes can 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 be adjusted slightly, because I as head size changes. Um, and people and people's uh, people's heads are a little bit different there's an issue with um, electrode placement if, if they aren't exactly the same then some of your math then the, some of the math isn't is a little bit off and so I was just trying to make something that we could that that can actually be adjusted slightly so that um, some of these things that we take for granted like electrode like the electrode like lo- location of the electrodes are There's some consistency, so the math works a little better. So your socialization is more accurate. Right. Um, It probably doesn't make a big difference, but I'm kind of picky. (laughs) And so I thought, well, whatever I learn, if I can, if I can offer that to the clinicians out there, I think it it might be interesting. You know, just trying to contribute to the community a little bit.
0: Sure, sure. Um, You 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 mentioned something as far as you know, not specifically caring, you know, whether a clinician you know, is doing neurofeedback or neurostimulation or photobiomodulation. But, you know, as you were talking, it got me thinking, is that something that, you know, neurodesigner with, you know, with the what it's showing you with how it's uh, giving you the data, is that something that you think, you know, a clinician could use to, you know, run someone on a specific protocol and then, you know, look at how the brain changes through your guys's uh, through your guys' program and see kind of what specifically, you know, a protocol may be doing for an individual? Well, yeah, that's the whole
1: point. Uh, so it doesn't matter what you do, it's going to work. It's, so there's going to be some kind of state change in the brain. So all the, all these things are wonderful tools, and some are better than others. I mean, um, one of my clinicians, he, he uses probably five or six different things depending on what's going on. The thing is, is that he can measure the results of whatever it's, whatever it's using to see if he's going in the right direction. So for example, he does a cue, gets an idea of, of what's going on says, you know, what I really like to do is, I'll, in, is start out generally uh, and maybe just reduce theta for this person. Um, or actually, you know, reduce theta, maybe reduce a little bit of beta. Um, I think that'd be a good place to go with this individual. So they might use a stimulation or they might use two channel narrow feedback for a while just to reduce that, but they're checking every three or four sessions by doing a full queue, and then using it in my software to compare the first and the last to see what changes occur and where they occur, okay? And then depending on where they occurred and what's happening, he says, okay, this is the next thing I'm going to do, right? So, you know, looking for so you can see, well, things are changing, they're moving in the right direction, how stable are they, right? All right, and then, when are we done or when do we need to move to some different modality? But that's the idea. So it doesn't matter what you do. You just need to track the results. You have to be objective about it. And that's what the, that's the idea of neurodesigner. It doesn't care what you do. It doesn't matter. But let's track the results.
0: Right. Gotcha. So any uh, do you have any specific stories or, or testimonials as far as, you know, how neurodesigner has specifically affected any you know patient outcomes? Have people been giving you any any uh, feedback on it?
1: Well, um, I don't get a lot of feedback, but it, the feedback I get is that if something, if they have to move it to a different machine or something, and they're out and they're without it for just a short period of time, they get panicky. So I'm guessing it has some value. Um, <laughs> a lot of that, the testimonies I've got is as far as being able to, I, what I've heard is, is um, being able to do things a little bit quicker, um, being able to be more focused, um, and being able to track the results more clearly. So, you know, I, I don't know. I guess I should pay more attention to what everybody's telling me. Um, from a, from the, What I pay attention to is if something doesn't work or they like something different, then that's really important to me. So, you know, we're trying to, I'm trying to produce a, I'm trying to lower the barrier to entry to doing good neurofeedback to, so anybody can do it uh, easily and quickly and have good results. So it's really important to hear, hear what's going on and what other people would like to see. Um, but so, I mean, you know, I don't really have a lot of anecdotal um, sure. information. Uh, a lot of people have, have said great things. Unfortunately, I'm the kind of guy that listens to what didn't work uh, rather than what did work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, speaking of what you were talking about, as far as kind of making uh, neurofeedback, you know, more um, have, you know, giving more people access to it, where I was going to ask you kind of where you see, you know, this field of, of neurofeedback and neuromodulation and brain mapping, all of this stuff, you know, where, where do you see it going? Are there any, you know, new developments on the horizon that you're really excited about?
1: Well, there's a lot of new developments on my horizon, but I'm not going to talk about
0: them—not
1: sure. <laughs> quite yet. So there's a lot of cool things that I'm doing. Um, and there's only so many hours in a day, and I'm already working seven days a week trying to get this thing working uh, or all these new features. But so there's a lot of stuff coming out. You know, I've got my—I don't want to minimize anybody else's stuff, but I think it's important to experiment. And so I'm trying to produce very inexpensive software and hardware <clears throat> to be able to allow that um introduction and experimentation to occur so you know I've got 64 channel um, amplifiers that are just cheap as all get out but I haven't released them yet um, the cap you see is starting is starting to go in that direction um, the software is coming along behind it that um, again I'm only a one-man shop so it takes a little time to get this stuff out there but what we're what I'm finding is that um, it's important to understand that this is a nice opportunity for an object for to be very objective. So you're seeing the data from an objective perspective. perspective. You're saying does it make sense. So that you know, hypotheses validation methodologies is is, is really the key, and this is what we're, I'm doing to promote it. Being you know having the database driven application um, is great. The application is changing. I can tell you a little bit. Um, so it's it's getting away from depending because I've talked about my own fires depending on anybody else's uh, data. So you'd be able just to, to dump a, a common file into it and get all the nice metrics out with the one button rather than having to load up a lot of different reports. So we're trying to streamline it make it faster. Um, so I think, I think that'll be kind of a nice, a, a nice feature for everyone. Plus, uh, again, I don't know of anybody that's doing more than in a, in a common application that's easily accessible doing more than doing 64 channels or 73 channels and being able to understand what's going on there and, and using those, that higher resolution to the benefit.
0: Right, right. right. Awesome. Well, Phil, if anyone um, wanted to get in contact with you or learn more about Neurodesigner, um, where would you direct them to go?
1: Just uh neurodesigner.com. And if you need to get if you want to get a hold of me, there's a contact form on the website.
0: Great. And, uh, simple as that. Awesome. Sweet. Well, uh, Phil, I enjoyed having you on the show today. I appreciate your time. All right, thank you. All right.